Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey, everybody. It's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, we have a ton to talk about. Trump deplatformed again. This time, he did it to himself. And he says, but he does say he'll be back in the Oval Office by August. And I don't think he thinks that's going to be as a visitor. We'll discuss all this with a great guest today, therapist and writer, Nick Carmody. For those of you not familiar with Nick, he has a fascinating story. I'll let him tell it. But he's one of the most unique voices, I think, out there, important voice, analyzing just what the hell is going on uh, with Trump, the GOP, and, and actually all of us in a way as a nation in terms of how we're being impacted uh, by the rhetoric and, and the kind of fear mongering that's out there. So Nick, welcome. Uh, thanks for being on the show today. Thanks for having me, Joe. I appreciate it. Nick, before we get into this, I wanted you to talk a little bit about your own story, about uh, your brain injuries and, and, and how you got sort of focused on, on on what's going on from a psychological point of view. So in 2010, I had two uh, separate traumatic brain injuries, eight months apart. The experience of, of um, trying to deal with changes in brain functioning and brain personality or, and also personality um, was difficult. I also uh, went through a really toxic divorce and some experiences with apparent cluster B personality disorders, uh, which include uh, narcissistic personality disorder, amongst a few others, um, ultimately led me to go back to grad school to try to understand those experiences. Uh, along the way, one of the things that I realized was, uh, you know, when I, when I kind of hit bottom down, and I've talked about this in some other podcasts, uh, I dealt with severe depression, severe anxiety, suicidal ideation that went beyond just ideation. And uh, I basically checked out of politics, so I was really following anything at that point. As I slowly started to kind of get back into the groove um, and started to kind of use politics in the background, that, that was when Trump was kind of starting to emerge in 2015. And some of the things that I was observing with Trump in the background was just the, the language used, the phrasing, the defense mechanisms, uh, the personality uh, um, traits. Um, it was very similar to some of my experiences with people who had had those those pathologies in my personal life. And when I kind of realized that and realized the effect that those, those uh, cluster B personality disorders had, had had on me, um, it started, you know, I started to become aware of how much trouble we were in if they were kind of unleashed on a, on a national or even a global scale by somebody who would, you know, potentially, uh, at that point it was potential, um, hold the most powerful office, you know, in the world. Um, you know, while, while I was going through this process, I started to write more and more um, because it just became, I started to become frustrated why people weren't seeing what I was seeing. And so, um, you know, psychology is the study of human behavior, and there's no greater petri dish to study human behavior than American politics. And so I started to write more and more about the dangers of cluster B personality disorders in our politics. And, you know, at this point, it seems to be, you know, run pretty rampant. 
And it, I mean, a lot of this is, uh, I've heard you talk about sort of the appeal to, you, you know, to fear. I mean, to just pushing every fear button, um, you know, it's sort of like our own as a, as a species, that's, that's a powerful trigger uh, to get people to see the, everybody is the other or dangerous. Um, and it just seems to me that, that we now have a party that's sort of based on, on building up as much fear and as much uh, anger as possible. Why is it working now though? Uh, I mean, I know both parties have, uh, I mean, going back to Willie Horton and, uh, in the, the 1988 campaign, um, that scared a lot of people against uh, letting Mike Dukakis be president. So we, it's always worked, but why is it so pervasive or growing now? Well, I think probably, you know, one of the reasons why it's probably more effective now is that, you know, by 2045, it's estimated that uh, it's going to be a minority majority country. You know, back in you know the, the late '60s or whatever it was, you know, it wasn't as imminent. It wasn't as much of a of a problem. Whereas now, I mean, we basically, you know, we're, I think we're around 62% uh, um, white population right now in this country. And there, you know, there's right now the the political right, you know, acts in a way with the perpetual victimhood and the fear and the anxiety as if they are already a minority um, demographic. And part of that, I think, is the fear of, you know, of the uh, of, of what is imminent to come. Um, you know, there's, it's often said that, you know, Trump is not the cause, you know, he's a symptom. But, you know, similar to gasoline at the scene of arson, he's also an accelerant. And so, you know, when you added him to this mix of, you know, things that were kind of already under the surface, you know, everything just kind of became exacerbated and, and accelerated to the point where we're at now. You know, as far as, far as the, the fear thing. Um, you know, one, one of the issues we deal with right now as a country is that everything is, is just very absolute, right? There's, there's, a, there's a lack of nuance in the way that we view everything. And when you think about fear, right, I mean, fear is kind of a, an evolutionary response that, that evolved over time, um, you know, which is, uh, you know, what one of our reactions or, or coping mechanisms to fear was fight or flight. Well, fight or flight is, is a very binary choice, right? I mean, it, you're either going to fight like hell or you're going to, you know, you're going to run. You know, one of the things that, you know, it, there, there wasn't room for negotiation or, you know, bipartisan, you know, agreement or anything like that. If you hesitated to kind of contemplate, well, maybe, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe this threat isn't really a threat. You know, maybe I won't fight. Maybe I won't, won't run. You may have got, you know, attacked or you may have gotten, yeah. you know, whatever it may be. And so, you know, that, that fear response to, to basically act without thinking is kind of playing out in our politics right now. I and mean, we, we are, you know, we are seeing people react in a way, you know, one, I think one of the threads that, that you read was, was talking about how intolerances metastasize right. in humanity, right? And so, you know, right now that fear response is, is being triggered in a way where, you know, people and it's, you know, in, in psychology, it, you know, with PTSD, it's, there's something called hypervigilance where you see threats everywhere, right? Um, you know, one of the, the, the analogies that I use is that, like, say, you know, say, People who were over in Iraq, uh, you know, soldiers, they were maybe in a caravan with Humvees or whatnot. They were playing IEDs on like roadkill, right? The, the caravan would drive by, they get next to that, uh, that, that roadkill with the, the IED in it. It's set off remote, remotely, it blows up, uh, you know, the Humvees blown up, people die, whatever. Well, you can imagine that when you've had that experience, you come home. Every time you see roadkill, you know, while you're driving by, it's triggering that fear of that experience um, uh, it's to a PTSD, you know, you're seeing 
threats everywhere there's roadkill, even where there's no, you know, it doesn't exist. And we're kind of, right. that, you know, to, you know, to, to, you know, draw an analogy to the political um, spectrum now is that, you know, when you're hearing people like Tucker Carlson tell them, and he does this, you know, when they come for you and they will, right. They're seeing threats everywhere. I mean, gun, gun background checks are being equated to confiscating your guns because again, there's no nuance. It's, it's, it's a binary choice, right? It's either, you know, you either keep your guns or you're going to have your guns taken away from you. And so, you know, they use this, this binary um, threat and, you know, this fear response, you know, in almost every, you know, in almost every setting, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, if there's to, to try to create, uh, you know, some, some type of, uh, e you know, equal rights or race relations, it's immediately taken to the, you know, to the, uh, the farthest extreme where, um, I forget, maybe it was Carlson again, or it might've been Crenshaw, I forget who it was, who was saying they're literally going to start passing, you know, anti-white laws. You know, everything is just- it's, Take it's it to the extreme. extreme exactly. So what, what, but, but so now this, the way this is, is showing up in the House and the Senate is you have all these people hyper-focused based on fear and sort of seeing the threat everywhere. Uh, and those politicians see, are vigilant, and see the threat everywhere of opposing or trying to push back on on these fears that they helped create. Um, it seems like it's now a vicious cycle where both the base and the leadership are are sort of pushing each other further and further to the to to the extreme reaction, or or, or and no one, very few voices willing to take it on or 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 to to lower the temperature. Uh, uh, it, it, am I reading that right? Or, I mean, are they, they so afraid of losing? I mean, these politicians now so afraid of their base of losing and ending their careers that um, they're now helping, helping to fuel this beyond the norm, beyond where we're used to seeing politicians sort of, sort of push people. Well, you know, I think what happened, you know, part of the reason how we ended up with Trump is that their inability, their unwillingness to police this stuff, you know, years ago, you know, create a situation where they where they were un, unable to control it, and that's kind of where it's at right now. You know, I, I you know, the fear of just getting voted out. I mean, at this point, I think it has you know basically um, you know metastasized into a, you know a fear of their own safety. You know, I mean, when you saw it, like Lindsey Graham, you know, after the insurrection, you know, that airport. Yeah, you, walking through the airport. Yeah, yeah. the airport, and and you know, he, suddenly he you know he he did a one eighty after that. You know, when you, when you see a lot of the threats that some of these local political, uh, you know, election officials in these states, I mean, they, they're threatening to get killed. They're threatening to get, you know, I, I wrote a thread about this with right wing mob justice. You know, their, their, their safety, their family's safety has been threatened. You know, a lot of these politicians, I think, uh, you know, even if they want to, want to do the right thing, they want to stand up to the mob. You know, at this point, you know, they have to, what, what was it, Liz Cheney spent, was it $58,000 on security since, yeah. uh, you know, so, you know, it's, it, you know, we've got a point now where, you know, it, it's it, it is physically dangerous for them to to stand up to to their own their own constituents. And then I saw I know you recently I think on a thread talked about QAnon has you know morphing into a religion um, at this point. I mean, when we're looking at you know fifteen percent uh, of Republicans believe that or Americans, excuse me, fifteen percent of Americans. Yeah, it's Americans believe that they're being ruled by uh, Satan worshiping pedophiles. Another twenty percent uh, think that, uh, or something like one in five, one in six Americans now believe the answer that they believe that uh, it's so 
that they, they have to resort to violence, may have to resort to violence to save the country. And, and that uh, you know, one in five are talking are now believe and answered that they believe that the that there's going to be a storm. This is all QAnon language, a storm that will uh, sweep in the rightful leaders of the country. I mean, when you see these forces, how does that and your your read that QAnon has sort of morphed into a religion of sorts? It just seems to me that we're we're in a very more dangerous period than a lot of people think in terms of going into the 2022 elections, I mean, the next two uh, election cycles with with what the Republicans are doing in state houses and other places to to impact the vote. How did how did QAnon get to this point? I mean, where this many Americans are now buying into the to the conspiracy theories. One of the things about conspiracy theories is that, um, you know, it, conspiracy theories are often a cognitive dissonance reconciling narrative. That kind of allows the the believer to uh, both, you know, it, it satiates both their narcissism, right? That they're, you know, among this this special, unique group of the knowing, while also uh, um, satiating, you know, kind of, you know, allowing them to still embrace their their victimhood, right? That they are being held back, that they are being, you know, despite their 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 grandiosity, their narcissistic grandiosity, that they're special, they're still been held back or held down by something, right? And it's this deep state or this, you know, this nefarious uh, elites or whoever it is that's, that's kind of holding them down. Now, obviously, you know, that, that's been Trump's, you know, well, <laughs> we can take it even farther back than just Trump's president. I mean, Trump's entire life has been a conspiracy theory, right? I mean, everything about his existence has, has been a lie. You know, it, it's, you know, everything from the, the apprentice to, you know, how, how rich he is to, you know, him calling into tabloids and talking about his, you know, his sexual prowess under, you know, a, a, a fake name, whatever it is, you know, his entire lie has been a conspiracy theory. And then, you know, you, fa- you, you fast forward to his presidency, you know, everything that, you know, everything that has happened, everything that he's done, he has turned it around into the hoax, to the witch hunts, to all these things. And so, you know, it, it, there's just, it, you know, it's just very, uh, there's just a lot of congruence between um, you know, Trump's entire political existence and really his whole life, as well as the uh, conspiracy theories and the, the narratives that often, you know, interweave, um, you know, his his presidency with, you know, with all this fantastical stuff that's going on. Do you think he believes it or or he's just using I mean, in other words, that he understands the psychology, understands the fear mechanism and it's just uh, or, or is he, you know, is he or. Is he so delusional that he believes it? I think it's very uh, instinctual with him. You know, I, I, you know, predators often have a very predatorial instinct, and he is, you know, very much a predator. Um, I think he just kind of, I, I, you know, I think a lot of it for him is reflexive self-preservation that just it, it, it is, that plays well and is very well received by other people. And I think part of it is just also a very uh, instinctive understanding of, of, of how to manipulate other people. So now when he's talking about, you know, he's going to be back in the Oval Office in August is what he's starting to to foment out there. Uh, and that combined with General Flynn uh, saying we should have a Myanmar uh, coup kind of thing here in the United States and then walking that back. Where is this going? I mean, how, how does how do we get out of this or 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 are we looking at more January 6th's? Uh, you know, you know, as we move forward, how do you see this, you know, this, conti- you know, this continuum? Does it, does it just keep going or, or is there a way to, 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 to address it and fix it? 
and it's, you know, part of the problem is that when people, you know, even, even rational people, right? I mean, logical people, if they have been lied to enough times, um, you know, in many ways, their, you know, the reaction, if they actually believe that the election was stolen, right, then their reaction to a perceived stolen election is rational. You know, I mean, and so, you know, on that level, it, it actually is, you know, it, it is a rational response to that. Um, you know, the, but the, you know, the problem is, is that, you know, we're, we're living in two completely different informational ecosystems and the, you know, confirmation bias is so strong that, you know, it's, it's you know, both, both sides right now believes the other side is brainwashed, right? They both, they both believe that they're being manipulated. You know, the, the left believes that um, the right, you know, the right is, has been manipulated by Fox and, and uh, um, InfoWars and OANN and, uh, and the Newsmax and that. And, and the right thinks that the mainstream media has brainwashed the left. And so, you know, when you have two, two opposing sides who have that same thought process, it doesn't leave a lot of room to navigate to try to, um, you know, to, to try to explain to, you know, to talk to one, one another and try to pull the other out of, um, you know, what is clearly, um, you know, inaccurate information. One of the things that I, you wrote about a lot that I think gets into that is this idea that Trumpism and, and QAnon kind of give people a way out in terms of kind of explaining their problems away. Is there anything tactically or kind of getting to what you just said, is there anything we can do to kind of start addressing it from more of a addressing your needs angle? Cause it's so seductive and so easy to get sucked into this QAnon stuff. What, what, what do you mean specifically? What, what, what did I write about specifically? Do you remember? Um, this gets back into the whole, how you parallel Trumpism and QAnon as, as religious, you know, as, as, as kind of both religious ideas and, and taking it that way. Well, in, in both cases, right, there's a suspension of fact and objective reality um, for belief, right? I mean, you basically, you're, and, and, you know, and, I, and I tie this into, you know, just religion in general. I mean, um, you know, and, and basically every religion, you have to basically suspend critical thinking or, you know, objective reality to believe some of the, you know, the narratives that go along with it, whether it's, you know, virgin births or whatever it may be, resurrections, whatever it may be. And there are a lot of, um, consistent or parallel themes between the, the QAnon stories and, and religion. And, you know, with Trump, obviously you got a guy who, you know, who lied, you know, just what we know about 30,000 times in the four years that he was in office, you know, to believe just about anything he says, you have to suspend, you know, reality and, and, and factual accuracy. And that goes all the way to the point of, um, you know, him telling the public that the election was stolen. I mean, that's, that's one, of the, one of the most amazing things about this is a guy who has a documented 30,000 lies on, on record still got people to believe that an election was stolen, you know, against evidence from the DOJ, the FBI, the DHS, and, uh, you know, 63 different, uh, 64 different uh, Article III uh, court decisions. But Nick, you know, the, the question I've got, or I, maybe I didn't ask it right, but okay, if we're getting up to 15, 20% of the American people believe these conspiracies and, and believe, as you say, you know, it was stolen. And if you believe that you want to do something, you know, it, it's their democracy is stolen. They may have to use force to, to put the rightful leader back in and all, all this stuff. And you have a, pre, you know, a former president saying, I'll be back in by August. My question is, is, does it, does this kind of, you know, uh, I think it, it was, in fact, I, I know it's Matthew Dowd called it a black mold. Mm -hmm. 
does the black mold keep growing? In other words, like what I'm trying to say is, does it, the, the infection of this thinking um, with a guy like Trump driving it and Flynn and all these people, does it, or is it just sort of like truncated here at 20% and the rest of us, if we can start having conversations with each other, we, we have a chance. You know, is there a way to keep it where it is by at least those of us who haven't bought into it yet? Uh, having rational conversations or, or, or is the only way to kill black mold to kill the black mold? You know, I mean, to, it, I, I don't know how, how to even articulate this. It just seems very frustrating to me uh, to not understand is this growing and, and how big the fear needs to be. And, and, and the other side of that is, is look, it, even if it does stay at 15, 20 percent, yeah, it's a huge problem. I mean, it's a huge problem. With 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 you know white supremacist uh, terrorism, domestic terrorism, and other things that uh, uh, in elections, and then of course the the leaders uh, changing laws to suppress other voters. So uh, that's what I'm saying: is it is does this just grow, um, or is there is there anything um, that that do, will work? I mean, in terms of I I, I saw I know you said that. Uh, uh, I read somewhere where you were talking about, you know, even when you go talk to a friend and you temporarily, your friend finally gets it, they then go back home and go straight back into the QAnon or whatever the their information diet of, of uh, you know, the, the different uh, online and other things out there, or their, their online community, and they're sucked right back in. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you, you, know, you may make some progress with somebody, but as soon as they go back to watching Tucker Carlson or something like that, you know, their, their pathological thinking is, you know, it's, it's validated. And so, you know, that's that, you know, that's kind of a, that, that I think, you know, I, I think that there is a, there's a ceiling on the number of people who are susceptible to this. And I think we kind of saw that play out with never Trump Republicans, right? I mean, there, there were just, you know, some people who just weren't, they weren't susceptible to it. They saw it right from the beginning. They peeled off immediately. And, you know, they spent the last four years, um, you know, basically fighting their own, yeah. you know, their own, their, their own people. I mean, literally with, you know, lifelong friends, people they worked with, you know, on campaigns or whatever it may be. You know, you see guys like Charlie Sykes and Stuart Stevens, you know, guys at Lincoln Project. I mean, that, that was, that was tough for those guys to have to peel away, but they, you know, they weren't susceptible to that, to that, to the gaslighting and all that stuff. So, you know, I, I think there's probably a ceiling on the number. You know, I don't think it just keeps on growing, but um, you know, I also don't know if that number is going to shrink from where it's at because until you know, as long as they still you know have access to the you know the, the information that they're getting, um, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know the, the the echo chamber on the right, it, it's going to be really tough for them to kind of come back from that. You know, the other part of that, you know, that there's a lot of um, you know, I talked about this on, on the Lincoln Project podcast, but, you know, there's some research that has shown that, you know, there's areas in the brain, uh, in neuroanatomical regions that uh, react to physical pain. Well, those same regions uh, with fMRI scans, they also activate when people feel social isolation or, or exclusion, right? And so what that suggests that, you know, that there's literally a, 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 a pain avoidance mechanism involved where people want to avoid speaking out against a group or define a group or removing themselves from a group from which they derive identity from, right? I mean, there's, it can literally right. have areas of the brain where they're, you know, experiencing, you know, where physical pain activates. Um, 
So, you know, that's, that, that, that's very powerful, you know, and, 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 you know, obviously some people are more susceptible to that to other, and that maybe that's why, you know, the never Trumpers were able to peel away from that and others can't, but, you know, there, there's a lot of really complex, uh, powerful stuff that's kind of at, at play, you know, both externally and internally that that's kind of reinforcing the problem. Yeah. And those never, a lot of the never Trumpers, uh, are, you know, are now out on an Island by themselves. I mean, they've been totally cut off from their own party. There's no, they're, they're not Democrats. I mean, they don't, they, they still hold on to, you know, whether it's fiscal conservatism or, you know, some other, uh, 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 policies that they don't agree with Democrats on, but I think it's important for Democrats to embrace them. And Absolutely. I mean, we bring them, you know, give them some room, and not, and not push them away because if there's nowhere left to go, then do, do they start uh, to, to, I mean, I, I think a lot of them did vote uh, for Biden in the last election or voted for, you know, and at least uh, gave us a chance here for the next two cycles to, to do something. Here's the thing though, that I wanted to, to, I'm trying to get at, you know, what both parties have known like for a long time consultants, we all see it, you know, we, you know, the negative ads work, right? I mean, that the attack ads, you do focus groups. I mean, I talk as a consultant, you do focus groups where you show them a negative ad and they all, everybody says, oh, they know immediately to say, I hate that. I hate negative ads. I don't believe a word of a negative ad. I hate negative ads. They talk about it for, for ad nauseum. At the end of the focus group, you say, you're going to vote for that guy? Or this guy, and they go, no, I'm not voting for that guy. He's a crook who stole money and 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 uh, did horrible things to animals, and, which was the the negative ad you ran at the beginning of the focus group. So you, you, we know, in both sides, that's what I'm saying. That's been going, you know, both campaign, and that's why we have such much so much negative attack ads, uh, so many in in campaigns. If they didn't work, no one would be doing them. They do work, and so. What I what I think what I'm seeing is, is are we sort of seeing almost that same feedback loop though right where the QAnon conspiracies um, the the racist attacks uh, uh, from Trump get a a negative and angry reaction from a lot from me and other people uh, d- Democrats because we're defending our democracy damn it uh, that we we're actually kind of. Uh, that same negative feedback loop, even though you, we can, I'm not s- s- talking about who's rational and who isn't rational. I'm talking about your notion that both sides believe they're being rational. So, are how how do you, you what are we supposed to do as people who want to get out the vote? I mean, as people who want who want to try to get some suburban Republican women talk to them and and see if we can get them. To see, you know, to to feel that there's a legitimate, safe place for them voting um, against their against, you know, a lot of them have voted Republican their entire life, never voted for Democrats. All this, Alex and I saw this in Alabama, where there were people who wanted to vote for Doug Jones, but just it would be going crossing some line to after 40 years of voting as a Republican. You know, crossing. Oh, even though it, they did not want Trump. I mean, it was sort of this like massive thing for them. Your point of sort of breaking, like literally, the fear of breaking away from their group uh, kept them in place. So, well, it's, it's their, I mean, that's their identity. I mean, that, that's yeah. that's who they go to church with. 
it's, you know, part of it too is we've so demonized our enemies, especially our political enemies, that when you have demonized somebody and, and basically, you know, characterize them as immoral and um, unethical or whatever it may be, well, once you cross over and you vote for them, you're, you're basically self-identifying with those things that you've been accusing them of, right? I mean, if I'm voting for somebody who I've demonized and, and, and who is immoral and, and you know, unethical, well, now, you know, does that now does that now make me that by voting for, you know, in alignment with them? And so, you know, and that's tough, you know, along with all the other cultural stuff that goes with that. My dad was a Republican or my mom was a Republican. You know, it's, it's just really tough to, uh, you know, and part of it is, you know, part of it is it's really difficult to admit that you were wrong, right? I mean, it's, it's tough to admit that you made a mistake, you know, whether you voted for Trump in 2016 or, or, or you know, whatever the situation may be, or just the fact that you are a Republican and now the Republicans, you know, have, you know had just kind of completely gone off the rails. You know, it's, it's tough to, you know, to, uh, to admit that, you know, that, that this organization or this, you know, this group that, you know, that you have um, attached your identity to is, is, you know, is suddenly not who, who you've claimed that they were for so many decades. That's really difficult. So I'm looking for some hope here, Nick. I mean, like how, no, seriously, is, well, is, I, it, is I, Joe Biden lowering the temperature enough that some of these people, some uh, Republicans, I mean, how do we get out of this? Uh, and, and again, I understand we may never get out of the fact that 15% are, you know, I mean, and which is going to be a much enough dangerousness out there and, and problems um, going forward. But how do we protect the democracy. I mean, in terms of winning, you know, having elections where, you know, the winner actually is declared the winner and uh, whole swaths of America don't think that uh, it was stolen and that they need to, to go to, uh, to arms uh, to take it back. And I, and I hit your point because I, I know, look, at, at the end of, in 2016 or 2000, uh, 2016, if Barack Obama had gone out immediately after that election and said, Hillary Clinton's the president of the United States, this thing was stolen by Donald Trump and kept saying that. I mean, you know, kept saying it, kept saying it. Uh, the number of people in this country who would believe that and would be angry about it and believe that they needed to take action and rationally believe that. I mean, you know, now in this sense, you know, we've, we've had, I'd like to believe that if a bunch of Democratic officials at the state level said, no, we've, we've counted the votes five times and we're Democrat, I'm a Democratic Secretary of State, that people would wonder what happened to Barack Obama. But I mean, you know, why, why is he... Why is he saying this? I still believe there would be a percentage that would um, would believe it and want to do something about it. So that part I get, and I think that's going to persist, and I get that. But how do we talk to the other? You know, if it's if it's sixty percent of this Republican Party that believe all this stuff, and forty percent, is it to is it that the leaders? Are is to demonize McConnell and these guys, but not, you know, the Republican in your town. I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to. What is a way to, um, from a psychology, you know, looking at it psych psychologically, how do we keep bring them um, to the middle or to the to a centered place uh, where we can move forward together? Is it, or you just think that's hopeless? Well, I, I think to some extent, you know, that hat. You know, you mentioned the suburban. 
um, moms and that. I mean, I think to some extent that happened, right? That happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Point, right. And um, I think wasn't there just an election? Um, was it New Mexico? What was the recent one at this point where it was it was like sixty three percent or something like that? The, yeah. Right? Th those that was a turnout. That that's what. Look, there, there's a, basically gets down to two things. Either we we have to try to persuade some of these Republicans to come over, or we've or it's a Everybody goes, yeah, get everybody you can out because they're going to get everybody they can out. And God help us. We better have more, more vote. Um, and, and so I, that's a, that, now this is the practical politics of all this. How do we, how do we go into 2022 uh, with some hope in, of keeping the house? I'm talking as a Democrat now uh, of keeping the house uh, and the Senate. Uh, and then not as a Democrat, as an American, I want that because, I think, you know, when you look at the 139 members of the House that that voted uh, to overturn the election, uh, the 159 in the House that voted not to uh, for a January, voted against a January 6th uh, commission. Um, that's a that's a party that if they I mean, even if 10 moderate Republicans got elected to give them a majority, they would be in charge. I mean, it would be that group. Uh, and I don't think McCarthy will be the speaker. It's going to be much, much worse. Uh, you know, so I'm just trying to figure out what the, you know, for our listeners, um, you know, what's, I, I think I keep coming down that we got to do both. We got to try to convince even, you know, it worked. We did get a, a lot of suburban uh, GOP moms, younger Republicans, uh, uh, college educated Republicans, I think particularly with Joe Biden lowering the temperature, I mean, it's, he, he's not exactly, you know, the poster child for being a satan, sat, satanic pedophile eating, you know, politician. So that, you know, we got to do both and get our, you know, make sure we've got the mechanisms in place to get our folks out. But then, of course, the Republicans get that, too. And that's why they're doing all this voter suppression and passing all the laws to make it harder uh, so that they can win that turnout war. And so I think what we're looking at is they're going to keep banging this. Trump's going to keep banging it. They're going to pass laws that suppress our, you know, the votes. Um, and if it's a turnout election and that's, that's their plan. Um, and I'm trying to think, work through um, with a whole lot of others, Lincoln Project, uh, Democratic committees, other people uh, who a lot of them just want to save democracy, what we can do. I just, I just uh, agree with you. I mean, I think I don't think anybody who's immersed in the right wing, uh, um, you know, information, the media, the echo system or echo chamber. I don't think that, um, you know, they're going to uh, be convertible. You know, I don't, I don't think you can listen to to Tucker Carlson all, you know, every night and then be persuaded by by policy, um, you know, because they're they're playing on, you know. Fear and, and, and primitive, you know, fear responses, and and Biden and Biden's and the Democrats are basically trying to, uh, you know, use use reading and you know higher level higher level processes, you know, thinking processes of policy. I just don't think that that's feasible. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's probably going to have to be about turnout, and it's going to have to be overwhelming because you're going to have to um, overcome, um, you know, all the, the new voter suppression laws that are coming in. So, you know, I, I don't think there's a lot of people who are watching MSNBC, you know, you know. One you know at one part of the day and then Fox the other part of the day, and those would be the right. few, those would be the few people that you would have a chance to kind of pull them over because they would kind of make a decision of do I like this better or do I like that better because you know again we're in this binary you know uh, um, you know world here and and if you're watching one 
you know, information silo, you, you know, you're probably not watching the other, you know, and, yeah. and those would be the, 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 you know, the small percentage of people that are persuadable. Thanks, Nick, for coming on today. You can find Nick on Twitter at Nick underscore Carmody, C-A-R-M-O-D-Y. And check out his Patreon at patreon.com slash Nick Carmody. And uh, there's no paywall there for him. Uh, he just wants to get this information out. Uh, we'll put a link in the, uh, uh, in the show notes. As usual, if you have a race you want us to spotlight or a question, please submit it on iTunes in the review section or email us at thattrippyshow at gmail.com. See you next Friday. Thanks again, Nick. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus. You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.